Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Clutch Conversations. It's your boy, Mike. We're back at you one more again, live on a Thursday night, man. I hope everybody's doing well, man. Enjoying yourselves this week, man. Happy to be on the show tonight, man. We're going to have a blast on the cast. But first and foremost, shout out to my lovely wife, Takara. Appreciate everything you do. Y'all make sure y'all show some love in the comments and don't stop there. Do us a solid and show the channel some love. Make sure you hit that like button if you haven't already subscribed. Definitely hit that subscribe button and everybody make sure you hook smash that notification bell so you can get notifications each and every time we drop a video. Shout out to the audio only game. Really appreciate all support we're getting on the audio platforms. As you know, audio recordings of Clutch Conversations are available on all major podcasting platforms. That's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. When you're checking us out on your favorite podcasting platform, please be sure to follow, rate, and review. It really helps us out. We appreciate the feedback and we appreciate the support. Speaking of support, if you're involved in this reptile hobby in any shape, form, or fashion, make sure you're supporting both US Art and US Art Florida. The link for both organizations are in the description of this video. If you don't have a membership, definitely go grab your membership, donate what you can, make sure you're showing love and support for these organizations that are helping protect our rights as reptile keepers. The links for both organizations are in the description of this video. So definitely tell a fr friend, tell a friend, tell a friend, spread the love, keep it going. And make sure you spread the love and spread the word about our dope sponsors. We're going to get this sponsor video. We're going to come kick it with the chat. Big dreams start in small towns. Small Town Exotics is a family-ran business that specializes in high-quality ball python morphs, western hog noses, and select leopard geckos. They are proud members of U.S. Art, U.S. Art Florida, and the Orient Society. Stay connected with Small Town Exotics on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Witness their journey as they grow their business and showcase their animals to the world. Thank you, Small Town Exotics, for sponsoring the show. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, Justin. Shout out to the sponsors. Let's see what we got in the chat tonight. Aaron, what's good? Balls of Paradise, man. I appreciate you coming out. Man, this guy right here, man, he comments on every single video, and I really appreciate the love, really appreciate the support. Man, you the king of smashing that like button and leaving a comment, man. Really appreciate it, bro. Balls of Paradise, what's good? Thank you for coming out tonight. Sammy, what's good, homie? Appreciate you coming out. Happy New Year. Getting ready for the new year. Big roll. What's good? It's another one, man. 
big time supporter man really appreciate you man appreciate you sharing the link sharing on your stories all that man really appreciate the love appreciate the support 352 in the building brian from heathen hatchery what's good homie appreciate you coming out man appreciate the love appreciate the support chad what's good hyperspace reptiles in the building man appreciate you coming out man freddy what's good v unit representative man y'all make sure y'all checking out v unit man it's going down in 2024 it was hard in 2023 and it's going to be even harder in 2024 so make sure you check it out v unit blakers pythons what's good appreciate you coming out appreciate the support see who else we got in here jason what's good appreciate you coming out appreciate the support casey what's good bro appreciate you coming out appreciate the support man scales fins and feathers what's good appreciate you coming out appreciate the support and then we got nana what's good appreciate you coming out appreciate the support we're gonna stop it right there kick the intro then we'll be right back Episode 98, Corey Martin, Reptiles. Hey, what's up? How's it going? How are you? I am doing wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Awesome. Good to see you. You too. Gotcha. Happy holidays. Yeah, what you drinking on? Oh, um, tea. I'm I'm real wild. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is that like an herbal tea or just like straight up? Yeah, like yeah, just some herbal tea. tea. I don't want to stay up super late tonight. <laughs> Gotcha. Gotcha. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Remind me, what part of Texas are you in? So I'm in Austin. You're in Austin. I always tell people I'm in the good part. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Are you a Texas fan? Um, So I went to Texas for law school. So I'm a little bit of a fan, but I haven't ever actually like been to a game or anything like that. I spent too much time in the library. (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. So big time college city. I heard like it's gotten like super populated there. And the it, is, really it is crazy. Uh, it's been for quite some time, I think, the fastest growing area in the country, at least one of them. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a completely different city than it was when I moved here like 20 something years ago. OK, it's completely changed. Um, and is most of that like attributable to the university's growth or what's not even, no, it's the city itself is so outside out. It's not even really a college town anymore. Um, oh, wow. The tech industry has taken off really, really big here. And so a lot of the growth has been um, related to the tech industry and it's been people from California or other places coming here for a little bit more quality of life and, you know, that kind of thing too. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah I live in uh, Gainesville, Florida. Oh, dude. And- 
my husband grew up in Gainesville. Did I ever tell you that? Yeah. No, but I did see he had on a gator hat. So I was going to bring it up. This is actually my segue into it. (laughs) (laughs) I know good people when I see them. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, he, he grew up in Gainesville. He, uh, he went to UF. Um, all his family went to UF. They're nice, big, big nice. fans. Well, definitely after this, tell him I said, go Gators. Will do. Will How's do. he feeling these days? What, I'm sorry? How's he feeling um, about the program these days, about at least football? I don't know. I should ask him. I, I'm not a sports person, so uh, but he, <laughs> and he very much is. And so I, I don't, I don't know. How has, how's the season been? Oh, it's been bad. It's been a rough it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully okay. it gets better. Uh, we'll see. It's okay. been rough though. It's been a, like a rough kind of stretch, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, but yeah, I was going to say like Gainesville is, I mean, it's nowhere near as big as Austin, obviously, yeah. but kind of like similar things like people coming in, but most of all the folks coming in here is like driven by like the university and stuff like that. But there's like businesses that are coming too because like they want to like cater to these people that are like in the city because of the university and the infrastructure doesn't really support it. And so like now like traffic's all like backed up the hill and back like all the time. Like it's nuts. I bet. It's um yeah, it's well and and as I think about it, the interstate is kind of way out to this way, kind of way out to the west, I guess. And um, yeah, and it's there's not a lot of great ways to get around town. Everything's just kind of slow side street. So I can only imagine how the traffic must be a huge pain. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So speaking of cool places, yeah. it's well known that you like to travel a lot. It's so uh, how did you, how long have you been like traveling like across the world? Like, is this relatively recent or have you been doing this like your whole life? Yeah, no. So basically um, I, so I used to practice law. Um, I retired from that about a year and a half ago, um, I I did mental health law and um, it was really, really, really intense. Um, I had clients beat me up and like, it was, it was a lot. And so wow. I had, so I had like some real decompression to do and some real like, okay, I need to figure out life after all of this. And one of the things I realized when I left was that Oh my God, now that I am not working a nine to five, I have all of this extra time available for, to do things like travel. And um, I just really kind of dove in. I, I My first trip was to Alaska to see uh, brown bears. And then it just kind of spiraled a bit from there. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so how many countries have you been to like to date? Do you know? Oh, I have no idea. Um, just this year, it's been South Africa, Zimbabwe, um, Peru, Guatemala, Costa Rica, Panama, Honduras, Greece, um, Croatia, Turkey, um, Italy, very briefly. But I think that's about it. Mexico. Okay, okay you said Mexico too? Yeah, yeah. I, nice. went on, I took my mom on a trip um, a couple a couple of weeks ago. She, um, you know, she's starting to get older, and um, I, when I left law, I was like, okay, well, I have all this available time to travel. I'm going to take my mom on one of her bucket list trips, and so I asked her where was one thing she wanted to do, and she said go through the Panama Canal. So that's what we did. We did this little cruise, and um, 
you know, got to do all sorts of fun stuff. So that was our little trip this last time, but I got, I got to Mexico briefly with that one. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So when you're, uh, when you're going to all these places, is it primarily just like for sightseeing? Is there like a little bit of herping involved? Like, like, what are you doing? Yeah. So time? most, most of the trips I'm doing, um, are herping trips, okay. typically at the very least photography trips. Um, okay. but the vast majority have been herping trips. Um, I just kind of, um, connected with some people through the hobby and it's been kind of one of those things where you meet a few people on this trip and then it opens another door over here to this other person. And then it just kind of like, before I knew it, I have all of these different connections and people I can go on trips with. And I have to like actually pace myself now because <laughs> there's like way more opportunities now than I have the budget to handle. So, <laughs> That's so yeah, I'm having, I'm having to, to, I went kind of crazy this past year. And so I need to, I'm, I'm needing to dial it back a little bit and uh, catch my breath a bit, but there's, a, there's so many, so many things I still want to do. Sounds like a lot of fun, man. You, you only live once. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. So what have been some of your favorite stories from like one of the trips? Like, Hmm. I don't know. You know, I think, one of the, I don't know that I have any like super, super crazy stories. Um, the mostly it's just been like the cool animals that we found and that sort of thing. Um, when I was in Guatemala, it was incredibly cool. I had no idea what to expect with Guatemala and it completely just blew me away. It was such an amazingly beautiful country. And, um, we were able to see um, the Guatemalan beaded lizards while we were there. Oh, nice. They only live in this one very, very limited habitat in this one valley. And there's only like, I think somewhere around 300 individuals left in the wild. And we managed to find two while we were there. And oh, so wow. that, was that, that was like, that was really special and a really cool opportunity. Yeah, that is pretty cool. I mean, because yeah. like, if there's only 300 out there and you you find two like just on, yeah. on one trip like what yeah. are the other yeah and it was and it was cool too because we were, we were staying at a research center that studies the animals and so they tag the ones that are found so they can keep track of the population and, and whatnot and one of the animals that we found was a previously untagged animal so oh, nice um, nice so that was really cool too nice so did yeah. they they tagged it once you they found did. It? yeah okay. so they tagged it um they also they off they operated a few like they had a few breeding pens for um, animals that they found just to try to like work on getting numbers up um, for the population. Um, but then, you know, largely they're releasing they're maybe rehabilitating them if needed and then releasing them back into the wild. And um, yeah, it, it's it's a really really cool program and it was a um, a really neat. I don't know it was, that one was that one was really cool because it was such a rare animal. Nice, nice. Yeah. Do you know what's kind of like driven um, the low numbers? Like, is it like development of the area around? What is it? Yeah. So it's a it's a very limited area geographically, um, and there's also a species of iguana that's native to the region. Um, they're the um, the Matagua Valley spiny-tailed iguanas, and um, they are related, like their development is kind of related to each other because the um, the beaded lizards will eat the baby iguanas. That's one of their main food sources. And the iguanas are also at really critical levels um, just because 
I think iguanas are a food source for the local population. And so I know there's been a lot of education about the importance of them in the environment. And, you know, these are what green iguanas are and sure, go ahead, eat them, but leave these guys alone, <laughs> um, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so, so I think it has just a lot to do with um, habitat decline and um, yeah, just very limited. I think they are both pretty geographically limited species to begin with. Gotcha. Yeah. Are the Guatemalan beaded lizards, are those kept like in captivity in the States? You know, I'm not sure. I know that Reptilandia has some. Um, they're not too, they're not too far from here and they okay. have at least a couple, I think. Um, but beyond that, I'm not sure to the extent to which they're in private collections. It's not something that can be imported anymore, but, um, but I don't know. I'm sure someone has them from, from some point. I don't know. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. I, but I now have some of the iguanas. I, uh, oh, do you? Uh, yeah, right behind me is a group. I bought, I bought like a whole clutch of them from someone. <laughs> so I've got a bunch of them right now. Um, so they're iguanas from that area. Yeah. They're, okay. they're the, um, they're the, so it's, uh, Tenosaurus paleoris is the species. Um, and yeah, so I randomly was able to find someone who had them here and I was like, oh my God, I saw them in the wild and now I can get to keep them too. And so that's a really fun thing for me as well. How many you got? Oh my God. <laughs> so I've got, I've got three that are mine. I have four that belong to a friend and then I have two more that are unrelated to that clutch that I bought from someone else so that I can have some genetic diversity. Okay. Wow. But, yeah. yeah that's a lot. It's, it's a lot right now. It's uh, I, I, at some point I'll need to get them back to my friend cause it's, <laughs> they're going to keep growing and growing and growing. And um, my space is a little limited at the moment. You're like, doom, 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 yeah, doom. totally. As you know, <laughs> as you know, reptile math and how it goes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Uh, I think I heard you say one time you had like some run-ins with some elephants, like in the middle of the night. Yeah, so that one was pretty wild. Um, that was my so that was when I went to Zimbabwe at the beginning of this past year. Um, there, the site that I stay at when I've gone, um, it's actually a, they typically do hunting on the property, and the, this group that I travel with has started coming in to create this other you know revenue source for them aside from just purely hunting, mm -hmm. um, and. So they have a lot of um, a lot of a lot of animals that kind of come through. There's no fences or anything like that. And um, there's at least two herds, I think, that live on the that are on that property a lot of the time. And we ran we kept running into this one herd um, when I was there the first time. And it was the eeriest thing coming across them at night because it's like you hear them. And, her, and it made herping really weird too, because, you know, we'd be out looking for stuff and then you'd hear an elephant and everyone runs back to the truck to get out of the way because <laughs> you know, I don't, I, I didn't have a good appreciation for this uh, previously, but they are um, really, really, really dangerous. Like really dangerous, really, really, really dangerous. I can um, imagine. Yeah. They're the, the size is just incredible. And moms in particular uh, moms with babies, will get real aggressive real fast. Oh wow. Because um, they're they're serious about those babies. So um it's really the moms a lot of the time that you've got to watch out for. Wow. But, but yeah, so that was that was super cool coming across them at night because 
um yeah they were just like in the middle of the road and yeah it was it was just nutty so so about how far away from them were you like um at that point i want to say maybe like uh, i don't know like 20 30 feet probably okay so. um maybe not that close that seems really close maybe longer than that but it was it was it was fairly close um and then we just like started backing up real fast <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you definitely don't want to get stumped by an elephant no 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 and we had a we had a mom bluff charge us at one point too and that was pretty wild um yeah that is pretty wild that can make yeah. for a pretty shitty trip yeah right <laughs> totally um, yeah so I, we didn't I, we didn't see as many this most recent time that i went but we saw a lot of giraffes this most recent time uh so it was it was cool to get that and i saw my first lions um and hippos and so that was really cool too oh nice and nice. a lot of and a lot of reptiles this, this most recent time as well we saw i think we found three puff adders okay and um a few other weird snakes um and we found a um a uh, white-throated monitor and um a chameleon and some other stuff so it was it was a really cool herping trip actually some leopard tortoises okay nice oh so, yeah it was it was really cool from a herping perspective this last time is zimbabwe your favorite place or is it it's amazing place? i love zimbabwe so much um the people there are just incredible um and it's not as heavily touristed a country as some other places. And so, um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it was, it felt like a little bit more off the beaten path and that was really fun. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So when you're in the different countries, like, do you try to like learn about the cultures or like pick up on some of the language and stuff like that? So, yeah, I, I didn't, um, work on language for Zimbabwe, but we, um, we went to this one um, place that focuses on like authentic cooking, um, like they basically do in the townships. And um, I tried this like worm <laughs> that's that they eat there. It's like a caterpillar. Um, it was so gross. I like it was it was it was almost. Um, almost burnt to a crisp, but, um, I like literally gagged as I was trying to swallow this thing. It was nasty. <laughs> so I don't know that I'm going to be trying worms again anytime soon. So they just offer it to you. They're like, Hey, try yep. the worm. Yep. It's one, of the, big it's one of the local dishes. And, um, how big is it? It was like maybe like an inch and a half or so. Um, and kind of fat, you know, like a big old chunky caterpillar. Um, oh, wow. It, yeah. Fried, you say? Yeah, it was like, it was, I don't know how they cooked it, if they roasted it or, or fried it or what, but it was very, like, very dark and crispy by the time we got it. Um, gotcha. Wasn't and, there a book back in the day, like, called How to Eat Fried Worms or something like that? Probably. Like, way that back in the day. Familiar. I feel like it was. Like, yeah. Way back in the day, like, that's like 80s. Yeah. Maybe early was, 90s. It was nasty. I I I I'm glad I tried it, but <laughs> I probably can't be trying it again. Uh no, nah, I definitely won't be doing that. Yeah. So in terms of like uh going to other countries or like doing different things in other countries, what's on your bucket list that you haven't done yet? 
so uh, <coughs> excuse me um so I really, really love big cats. And so I would, there are several trips that I would really like to do um, that involve big cats. Um, one is the Pantanal in Brazil. It's the best place to find jaguars um, pretty much in the world. Um, and so I'd really like to go there. I've been talking about doing a, um, a trip to go see snow leopards up in the Himalayas and and go back and forth on whether I'm actually going to go ahead and do that one or not. But um, I don't know. That's one that would be really, really cool to do. I think I haven't spent done a whole lot in Asia yet, and so there's a lot, a lot in Asia that I would really like to see. Nice, nice. Yeah. Is any of that on the uh, schedule, the itinerary for 2024? So I have a few. I, I'm, I'm still kind of in the process of figuring out what um what exactly my budget will support in terms of letting me do things since as we all know the ball python market has uh not been as lucrative as it was in the past but um i i have a, a few things in there um i i have a trip planned for the pantanal um at one point i've been talking about a sumatra trip but i don't know if that one's still on or not okay um, so but yeah there's definitely a bunch of different things looking up. Gotcha. So, yeah. Gotcha. Nice. Nice. So speaking of the ball Python market industry and stuff like that, yeah. you've been in your facility, what, about a year now or something? Yeah, just a little bit shy of a year. Okay. Um, And I'm probably, so it's been an interesting, it's been a really interesting experience. Um, it was obviously not the best time in terms of what's happened to the ball python market over the past year. Um, it's been, you know, sales have been a lot slower. And so having that much extra overhead has been a little bit challenging. Um, also, I've been working on kind of reconfiguring my collection and I'm moving a lot more toward monitor lizards and that sort of thing. And so my facility itself, isn't really a great location for those kinds of animals. And in fact, I had to move them all back home. I had one animal get out. Um, it was a really a, a black tree monitor that was really, really valuable. She had laid fertile eggs for me, which is just a huge rarity for black tree monitors. And she got out while I was spraying one day. And within about two minutes, she was just gone. Oh, wow. And um, I thought I was never going to see her again, but she surfaced a week and a half later in my next door neighbor's unit. No idea how she got there. I mean, she well, she went up into the roof and the ceiling and stuff. But I, but through that experience, that that just honestly scared me a lot. And so I ended up bringing all my monitors home at that point. And so now I'm paying for this facility that doesn't entirely work for a good portion of my collection and I've been I've been going back and forth and trying to figure out, you know, what to do in terms of like where to go from here. Gotcha. So, yeah. So you said you brought all your monitors home. How many is all like? Um, so again, I I'm I'm not good at counting these things because sometimes it's better not to count and not actually know. <laughs> um, I think I'm somewhere around 20 for monitors. Um, and then as we were talking before, I've got a good number of, um, iguanas as well right now. Okay. And so um, all the lizards are at your house. All of the lizards are at my house, but all the snakes are all, at the facility. Yeah. All the snakes are at the facility. 
Um, and then my my rodents are at the house too right now. Um, gotcha. Breed my own rodents. Okay. I hate. I'm so tired of breeding rodents. <laughs> what, but, what are you breeding? Is it? Yeah. So I do. Or? I do rats, mice, and ASF. Okay. Yeah. Um, and yes. it's 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 a, it's a lot. It's pro that's probably the part of all of this that like I hate the most because it's just like drudgery, and it comes it come, like cleaning day comes around every week, and every week I'm like, oh, I really don't want to spend an entire day working on this, but it's the affordable way to do it. It's really really <laughs> it would be very expensive to feed my collection and not breed my own rodents. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I actually lost two tubs of rodents last week. Because oh, that's of rough. a novel, uh, yeah. not a novel, it was a nozzle, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. a nipple came off and it flooded like the tub, lost two tubs of them. And it was like two tubs that were like full of babies and wings that were getting ready to pull, get, be pulled. Like, yeah. Oh. oh, that sucks. Did you lose them all? Uh, all in those two tubs. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Brutal. Yeah. That sucks. That's really but, brutal. Um, it's, it's happened to me before. Um, yeah. It's the worst. I can smell it from here. And like you know once you smell that smell you never <laughs> it just forget like it. scares itself into you <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it was crazy um yeah yeah that sucked i i never dealt with that but i heard people like talk about it and whatnot yeah. and talk about like how crappy it was and so like now i know from experience like it's a it's a shitty feeling uh and it's crappy and then like you said man that smell is like terrible yeah. terrible 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 yeah it's it's awful i i think i've I've had a number, I've had leaks happen a number of times. Most of the time we've been able to catch them early before, like where we might see the animals kind of soggy, but the bedding has soaked up most of the water and it's not totally flooded yet. But I've had a couple of those floods and they're just, they're awful. Yeah, like this, I was already vigilant, like about checking and stuff, but like now, like I'm stepping it up even more, like into being OCD and just like making sure, making sure. And yeah. that way, hopefully, um, I don't lose anymore. If, yeah. if something else goes wrong, I can catch it earlier. Because, I mean, it was two out of, what, 30 yeah. um, tubs. But still, like, it was yeah. two tubs that I didn't want to lose. Of course. And then once you have a loss like that, it takes a while to catch back up in pr with production. Um, and because, you know, you're and you probably run, I don't know, you run into, like, shortages if you're holding more back than you used to and it it's yeah managing rodents is like a whole other thing yeah <laughs> it's crazy math too like i don't think i have it dialed in yet but yeah right now i'm um i've got more than what i need and yeah. i'm only green asfs and so it doesn't matter like they don't never out, they don't ever outgrow the snake so that's a good thing yeah no that's the nice thing about asfs for sure but um man I never can like get the numbers right, but I rather have more. Yep. Than have not enough. Like my mama used yep. to always say, "It's better to need and not have than to have and not need." And like that's, that's true. Like one of those lessons that I've been taking forward, like just for life. It's a life lesson. <laughs> I know it's true, and I don't know. Baby season like knocks me on my ass every single year. I like I don't time it right, and then. um you know, I all of a sudden have all of these babies that need to be fed. And it's like, whoa, okay, I've got to figure this one out. Yeah. Um, and so it just, it it sneaks up on me every time, even though I've been through it a bunch of times, every time I'm like, whoa, where did you all come from? Yeah, yeah. And I haven't even had to deal with that yet. Um, Just from like a timing and planning and logistics yeah. perspective. 
because I'm only feeding like the snakes that I'm going to keep the ASFs mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then like snakes that um, I'm going to sell. I, uh, I feed them rats and I get them from like a local guy who is oh, basically cool. kind of like a hub and like he takes orders from folks like all in the area. And there's like yeah. one pickup day, everyone goes to his farm and picks them up. Oh, and he also awesome. buys like wholesale snakes for me too. And so like, I always have like a running credit. Ooh, so that is a hookup. Money. And so, yeah, yeah. I'm very fortunate to have like him supplying. Yeah. And so it's like, I'll, Hey, this is my wholesale list. What do you think? Okay. That's good. Amazing. Boom, credit. Amazing. That's the one thing I haven't, I, haven't figured out the wholesale side on ball python super well i've just like i don't have great wholesale connections like i'll find someone and then you know for something will happen and that'll dry up and then i just have to start over again so that that's been one of the things i haven't i haven't totally figured out yet so i'm super jealous that you've got that you've already got that going that's amazing they've got that wholesale Optional morph market. I haven't looked into it. That I much, haven't. Right? I haven't done it yet either. But I have like I have so many babies I need to get posted, and I'm definitely going to be checking that out um, to see if that gets anything going. Cause, yeah, because that might be an avenue. Yeah, I hope so. I for hope sure. So for sure. How big is the facility, like square footage wise? It's a thousand square feet. Okay. Yeah, and it's basically um, it's just a giant, um, like warehouse kind of space. Okay. Um with like i think 14 foot ceilings maybe even taller oh wow yeah it's very very high ceilings high. which is one of the reasons that it's challenging like if a lizard gets up it, it can just climb shoot all the way up and um so <laughs> so that's been that's been something and then dealing with this past summer was super challenging um because we had like a lot of places we had a really really hot summer and um like probably three months where temperatures really didn't get under a hundred degrees. And so making sure the AC unit was doing its job was a lot of work too. It, I had, I had at one point I was out of the country and my AC unit failed. Oh, wow. So, I bet that was scary. Yeah. So, and so that was, that was really stressful. Um, trying to manage that from afar. And I had someone watching my collection um, but there was only so much she could do. And so, um, thankfully it happened toward the end of my trip and, um, you know, I begged and pleaded my AC guy and he got in pretty quick and I didn't have any losses, even, right, even my incubator ended up okay. That's um, good. But it was, it was, that was scary. I bet. I bet. Yeah. And then you're like clear way across the world and you're like, yeah, oh yeah, it was, that was not ideal. And so that's, that's the thing where all of the um balancing the trip the travel with the animals can be tricky because um you know i can find people to help take care of stuff but they're not me and they don't you know and it's um yeah it's just it's you know finding that balance is hard but i can imagine yeah do you know like temp wise like what the facility got up to it got up to the mid 90s so it was around 95 i think okay yeah. And what uh, all species? Is it ball pythons? I know you got yeah, carpet pythons. Yeah, ball what? pythons, carpet pythons, um, black-headed pythons. Uh, at that point, I don't think I had the Dominican red mountain boas. Um, but mostly, mostly those. 
Um, carpets are usually pretty durable. They can handle going pretty cold. They don't tend to go as high as ball pythons, but they all seem to do okay. Um, but yeah, it was, um, you know, the temps were high enough that it was kind of scary. Um, but fortunately we didn't get any higher than that. And it, yeah. didn't, and it didn't stay at that temperature for very long. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And so how is it managing like all the stuff at the facility and then yeah. like going home and like managing all the stuff at Dude, the house? It's, it's so much. Um, it's, it's, it's honestly too much for me right now. Um, and I'm, I'm in the process of, I, I think I'm going to be moving out of snakes entirely. 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 Okay. Yeah. It, um, with the facility not really working well for everything. It's so much money to keep that going when it only works for part of my stuff. And if I were to bring the, I don't have as much space to bring the snakes home now that I have all of these lizards with their giant enclosures and everything. And so it's really, do I want to dedicate the time to growing the lizard stuff or do I want to, um, you know, limit what I can do there so that I can bring snakes home. And I think the calculus worked out that I'd rather uh, move the snake stuff and focus on the lizards. And so that's going to be a long process. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm, prob I'm probably looking at like a year of, of really working on that. But I'm, I know you, it's hard yeah. to like get numbers, but like size wise kind of give us an idea of like how many snakes we're talking about. Cause I know you've been working on like offloading a lot of your. Yeah. So it's, it's, been a, it's been a, yeah, it's been a, and I've, I've probably moved about half of my ball pythons so far, like my adult ball pythons. Um, and so I have, I want to say around 80 breeders left probably. And some probably another um 40 or so grow ups and then i have 150 babies from this past season um, okay so there's still there's still a lot of work to do gotcha yeah gotcha. yeah and so uh i know initially you were only like you were like holding back like at least one or two projects or something like that in terms yeah. of ball pythons but yeah. now it's more i'm probably just gonna offload everything i think so yeah i i just right before christmas worked out a deal for someone to take um the majority of my um carpet python stuff i had left and my black headed pythons um so i've i've got i've got a plan for them and at this point it's primarily you know just continuing to work on the ball pythons gotcha yeah so what projects are we talking ball python wise yeah so i still have a good amount of dream sickle stuff um i have a whole lot of um let's see I, i've still got a good amount of like hypo hypo clown clown pied um a couple black azanthic and black a couple black exanthic things still um and then yeah just lots and lots and lots of babies of all of those kind of projects gotcha gotcha yeah. yeah. is a dope project um, i love well. it no they're beautiful i i hit my first um hypo clowns that i made myself this year nice uh, congrats after years of trying <laughs> <laughs> i had rotten luck with it for several years but i finally i finally made my first couple of them this year um, yeah, just in time to move them along, but, <laughs> <laughs> just but yeah, no, it's, it's a really cool project. 
Yes, it does seem like, I mean, I've only been doing this for so long, but like yes. I had like a similar story uh, this year. Like I can't hit a confusion clown combo, like to save my life. Yeah. And I had like several op opportunities. Like I had a male that was going to about like five different girls this year. So one of the girls, uh, she never really started building like barely like baby, baby follicles. So not even worth putting them in. Yeah. The and then one of the girls, she started building and she got probably in like the 14, 15, 16, something like that range. Yeah. Uh, but then she reabsorbed. And oh. so like, that was two of the girls. And both of those girls were visual clowns. And then I had another uh, visual clown combo. Uh, they had a successful clutch, but zero confusion clown combos from that clutch. Um, and then another hypo combo girl, because I was going like some double head hypo clown stuff. Three confusion babies, all of them males, no no females. Like I needed some females, and then like I had another one where that clutch just kind of like went bad. Like everything about that clutch uh, could have gone wrong. Yeah, it went wrong. Like yeah. they're all like terrible eaters. There's no confusion, so he didn't pass confusion to a single one of those babies. It's all males. It's, <laughs> uh, they crawled out the egg like super early like their yeah. yolk sacs weren't like even completely like absorbed just like everything you could probably think of that can go wrong with the clutch almost went wrong with that clutch wow. and then on top of that no confusion clown comes uh. like, <laughs> so i got one more shot yeah um, that clutch just went in the incubator and so okay. it's nine eggs so well that's maybe, good. maybe that's... it makes up for it yeah but it's, it's a head to head though and i'm that's like man great. if i struck out on like head to visuals man dude sometimes i have Odds are so weird. Sometimes I have better luck on the head-to-head -head ones than I do on visual. Who like it's just weird. <laughs> it's so weird. But um, <laughs> yeah, I had a I had a, a an acid hypo male that went to a whole bunch of stuff this past year, and I thought I was I thought I was going to get three clutches off of him. And every single time, the first male that I paired to took the clutch. Uh, I, would, I was so mad. Every single time I was like waiting for them to hatch and they'd come out and I'd be like, you're not what you're supposed to be. Like, why are you eluding me? I know. It was so painful. <laughs> yeah, it's like that sometimes, man. Yep. Yeah, it, it could be, you can, one day you could be on like a total high and then the next day it can be like a total Oh, low. yeah, it's a, it's a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster for sure. <laughs> Fun yeah. though, it's definitely fun, and it yeah. keeps it interesting, um, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. How many catches did you do this past year? Uh, so hatch eighteen, and then I just awesome. put two in the incubator that's last awesome. weekend. So yeah, that's my that's been my biggest year, uh, so far. Okay. And that's, that's awesome. probably where I'm gonna be like for the next probably two to three years, and then we'll we'll go from there and see yeah. how it goes. Yeah, that's a good. How many sign. how many clutches did you do? Um, I think I was, I think I did 24 this 24? year okay. nice. and that was down from like 45 the previous year. Okay. Wow. Um, but I was still doing, I was doing hog noses the previous year still. And that was probably about 10 of the clutches. Um, and so, yeah, I got, I got so overwhelmed with babies last year, uh, like so overwhelmed that having a much lower volume year ended up being a really good thing gotcha even then i'm still overwhelmed with babies. <laughs> yeah i don't know that i can i can do 45 at this point in my life maybe no. like later on it's, but i, no, I can't it, it was it was too much it was just it was too much so i 20 is a real good number yeah yeah and so uh 
you said it's gonna take you about a year, year and a half to like get out of the snakes and you're breeding the carpets as well too, right? So I had been, um, but yeah, I, I've sold the majority of what's left at this point. Okay. Um, and so I'm not going to be pairing carpets this next year. I'm not going to be pairing any snakes for this coming year. Um, oh, okay. I, yeah. I think I have two that are gravid right now, one or two that are gravid. And then it's just all of this past year's babies. And then whatever I have left of the breeders, a lot of my really good stuff has gone already, but I still have some really nice things too. So. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Cool. And so then it'll just be focusing on the lizards. Yeah. Focusing on the lizards there. I, I love monitors so much. Like it has been um, getting into monitors has just been the funnest thing in the world for me. So that's been, that's been a real, a real, real joy. And the nice thing with it is, um, you know, you can't keep monitors in the kind of volume that you keep ball pythons. And so like, it's more frequent care needs, but way, way, way fewer animals. And I'm like, I'm really looking forward to like moving more that direction. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And, and you've done some impressive things um, from a monitor perspective, right? Like two clutches of black, is it black tree monitors? Yeah. So I've, I, I have two clutches of black tree monitor eggs in the incubator, um, two clutches of green tree monitor eggs in the incubator and a clutch of Ackies in the incubator right now. Um, okay. I haven't hatched any yet. My first clutch is due next month. And so I have, I'm hoping very much, they've already like gone way longer than I thought they would when I first started. Like I just, I have this thing where I assume everything's gonna turn out terrible so that then I'm like just completely delighted when things are <laughs> terrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so so it works out really well for me at shows and stuff because I like go into the show and I'm like, I'm not going to sell anything. This is going to be terrible. And then anything I do, I'm like amazed because I did better than I thought I was going to do. <laughs> anyway, so with I just I was I was sure that the clutch was going to, um, you know, it was going to the eggs were going to die off pretty early and they didn't. And they're still super healthy after four months in. Um, and that's the thing with the monitors, they take forever to hatch. Um, it's five, five months of incubation. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Is it similar yeah. like temps as like ball python? Eggs? Yeah, a little bit cooler. They, they like temps like 85, 86. Okay. Um, and so a little bit cooler than most people do with ball pythons, but not too dissimilar either. Um, the, the girls are very, very particular about temperatures where they're laying and so um, that's been one of the things that I have to really work on um, when putting lay boxes and stuff in is making sure that the substrate inside the lay box is within this very narrow range of temperatures that they like think is suitable for their babies. And so that's been that that has like taken some work figuring out. But I think I like I have a kind of workable solution right now. And so. Um, but yeah, they've just, they've been so much, like so much fun. Um, I also have blue tree monitors. I have a couple of other species as well. And, um, yeah, that's the thing that I, I'm, I just, I love them. They're, they're so smart. Um, you know, like you can just like see the wheels turning in their heads. Nice. Um, and 
yeah, it's like I they they need to eat a, a really varied diet. And so I'm like constantly having to think of like new weird things to feed them. And um, I don't know, I just have so much fun with it. So it's, nice. been, it's been a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that I like keeping like all those different species of monitors and like keeping up with the husbandry. Like that's yeah. more of a challenge. It is. And they, you know, they generally like I'm generally feeding my breeding pairs like most just about every day and I'm feeding babies every day and it's a lot more work than you know just a snake where you know you clean it and do its water and feed it like you know once a week or you know that kind of thing and um so it's it's a lot more labor intensive per animal for sure um but they can also clutch three or four times a year um and so there you know there's just pros and cons and all of that but i don't know i have fun <laughs> nice nice yeah. have you noticed like similarities and differences between like the different uh kind of communities like i know like the ball python community there's like sect of the ball python community so like depending on like yeah. what you operate in that might be different but just like species to species have you noticed like similarities and differences yeah so i mean there every sector kind of like has its own little thing i've said for a long time that there's like ball pythons as one hobby and then there's reptiles as another hobby like they're they're so like there's such different worlds in them in, in so many different ways. Um, obviously ball pythons. So, you know, one of the, one of the things I looked at recently was I looked on morph market to see how many ball pythons there were on morph market versus how many tree monitors there were on morph market. And at the time, you know, there was like 61,000 61, ball pythons. And I think there were 18 tree monitors. And so like the numbers of people working with them are so, so, so much smaller, but also the number of people who are really, really suited to taking care of them are so, so much smaller. It's like a much, you know, I wouldn't be selling um, a tree monitor to, you know, a 14 year old as his first pet, you know, like that, right. it's just, it's a different thing, but Gotcha. But different, different, different environments for sure. Um, I'm still, I'm still kind of feeling my way through the monitor stuff, but um, I've, I've managed to meet a bunch of people who have been, you know, just very, very um, enthusiastic about welcoming, me, welcoming me into that community, and so that's been really fun too. Nice, nice. So, yeah. is it a in general? Uh, is it a pretty open community, or is it? Um, so, yes and no. There are. You know, just like with ball pythons, there's um, certain people who've been doing things for a long time who like try to do some gatekeeping at times. Um, but the vast majority of the time, I think people are just because it's a smaller community, people are really excited to see, you know, people come in and really, really care about it. Um, and so I don't know. It's been um I, I I felt like it's been pretty receptive so far, but it's definitely like they're all just all the different niches are all different people. And it's um, yeah, <laughs> all yeah, just all different people. It's really that's kind of one of the funny things. Nice. 
So uh, has there been anybody that's kind of like maybe taking you under their wing or kind of like served in like as a mentor or anything like that that you've learned? Yeah, from? There, there are a few people um, like earlier today, I was just texting with someone um, who's been doing tree, green tree monitors a lot longer than me, just asking him some questions about how he has his cage set up and some of the particular uh, parameters he uses and and that sort of thing. Um, I have, um, so if there have been, yeah, there have been a few people who have really kind of taken me into their wing. I got, I, I purchased several of my animals from one guy who's been doing monitors for a long time, but just wasn't having success with the tree monitor stuff. Mm -hmm. And he decided to focus on a different direction. Um, and so I got a pair of green tree monitors from him and my female black tree monitor from him. And he's been really, really supportive and, and helpful with a lot of that kind of stuff. So that's been really nice. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So Corey, I want to take a real quick break. Uh, we're going to play our sponsored video and then we'll be right back. Sounds good. All right. Peace and love, family. We invite you into the heart of our serenity, Ancestral Royal Pythons. At Ancestral Royal Pythons, we're not just breeders, we're nurturers of love and growth. Each of our high-end ball pythons is a tribute to the grandeur of the natural world and our dedication to quality. Reach out today and bring one of our creations into your home. This is Ancestral Royal Pythons. Your journey begins here. Here's to the exciting world of ebony and ivory reptiles. From unforgettable parties and events to keeping and hatching some of the dopest reptiles in the reptile hobby, we're all about education, quality, integrity, and respect. Hit us up and see how we can help make your next project a reality. Experience ebony and ivory reptiles, where fascination meets fun. Ebony and ivory reptiles. Shout out to the sponsors. <laughs> I love that jingle. That's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> so picking up where we left off yeah. uh, with the mentors, has there ever been a, like a time where someone gave you some good advice? You were kind of hard headed and it came back to bite you in the ass. Oh gosh. I'm sure it's happened many, many, many times. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not thinking of something right this minute, but I'm certain it's happened over and over and over and over again. Um, because I, I don't know, I tend to learn best that way by, you know, experiencing the, you know, the outcome of whatever the decision is and realizing <laughs> that uh, maybe, maybe not so much. <laughs> but What's been like the most challenging thing you've faced since you've been doing this, like as, as a business? Um, so the early the early the first few years of getting going and establishing a name for myself and um you know meeting people and all of that that took a whole lot of work um a whole lot of work and way more way more work than i'm putting in on that front now um 
And yeah, and just that that first couple of years where I was just, you know, dumping all this money into it and hadn't seen any real success. Um, most of my animals I bought early on were uh, babies. And so I had a couple of years of like growing stuff up and not really getting a lot of traction. And so just kind of sticking it out through all of that was probably was probably the hardest part. Um, and then and then it was, you know, and then it turned into managing um, space at my house and figuring out like <laughs> how to make everything actually fit. Um, and then the current one is just managing like cash flow for everything has been the most challenging thing. Um, because as I've grown, I've taken on more overhead. And it's really, really true that is like as low as you can keep overhead for as long as possible, the better off that you're going to be. Um, and so, so it's been at different phases. It's been different things um, that I've had to really kind of work through. Gotcha. Yeah. And so in any one of those phases, like when it got really tough for whatever reason, yeah. was there ever a time that you thought about like saying, Hey, you know what? I don't think this is for me. I'm packing up my stuff and I'm going on. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so what, kept, what kept you going? Um, I think just, pure stubbornness and not wanting to, um, I guess not wanting to experience the loss on it. Um, not feeling like I was really done with things yet. Um, it honestly like the, so I had, I had a period of time when I was working as a lawyer full time, where I had to work every Sunday. And so I couldn't do reptile shows and that sort of thing anymore. And it was truly just my friends that kept me going during that phase of life and the community that I had built. Um, and just having people that I could, you know, message every morning and touch base with. And um, that's probably the thing through the hard times that kept me going was having those people who'd been in it longer than me uh, who had been through phases of ups and downs, um, able to, you know, kind of talk through stuff. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's definitely good to have like those folks that you can reach out to and they, they keep you motivated. They keep yeah. you going. They, they understand like what you're, what you're going through. Cause either they're going through it, they've been through it. Yep. So it's definitely, uh, good to have those folks in your corner. Oh, hundred percent going. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So you mentioned stubbornness. Like, is that like a, a character trait? <laughs> sometimes. Um, I don't know. So, sometimes for sure. Um, other, I don't know. Other times. Um, I, I, it's hard to know what is going to be the thing that I'm going to decide. This is the hill I'm going to die on <laughs> versus um, other times. It's, I can just kind of cut my losses and pivot. But once I decide it's something that I don't want to, um, that I'm going to fight for it. Um, I I tend to get pretty tenacious about it. Nice. Yeah. I feel like um that's kind of got to be a character trait in this, in this hobby. Cause like, like we were talking about earlier yeah. and just in general, man, like there's all kinds of like highs and lows and sometimes those lows, like it, it really sucks. And so yeah. there has to be a bit of screw this. I'm going to keep pushing forward. I'm going to be tenacious. I'm, yep. I'm, I'm going to, 
keep doing what I need to do. And and I want to be successful and I want to like make this thing work. Like there's a, yeah. there's, you have to have that in this. Like yeah. what are some other things about your personality that you think have uh, maybe made you successful? Yeah. So I think um, one of them is, so I have ADHD. And so a lot of organizing things don't come very naturally to me. And I have to really, really work at coming up with systems and keeping things together. And I think that honestly, the fact that I have to put a lot of attention into things like, um, you know, how I'm going to manage keeping track of which baby ate, which week, and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, it's had me just get really curious and interested about what other people are doing. And I've been really good at kind of like taking the best of like lots of different people in terms of like, um, you know, getting, you know, getting advice on stuff. Like early on, um, I went up to Canada to see um, Billy and I have a, you know, I use a magnet system that still to this day, that's very similar to what he was using at the time uh, where I got kind of that idea for keeping track of, of feedings. And then I got a spreadsheet for tracking pairings from another one of the people that I got to know early on. And, um, you know, and so I think just um, being really open to be like, hey, I don't know how to do this. Tell me, like, I would love to hear your way. Like, let me know what you're doing. Um, I think that openness to hearing other systems and that sort of thing has really served me well. And then nice. I think the other thing is, um, I so one of the side effects of my background in law is that I'm I'm like a voracious reader and um, I can just spend hours and hours and hours and hours learning something. And so that I think has helped me get up to speed on new species and, you know, new, new stuff pretty well. And that's been, that's been one of the things that have, that's helped me a lot. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Nice. How long were you a lawyer? Um, so I practiced for, I think like only like six years. Um, I, I never really loved it. Um, but it, um, you know, there were a lot of reasons that it was, um, there, there were, I should take that back. There were definitely parts that I really, really loved. Um, but I was a litigator and, um, in court a lot. And, um, that part was not, not the most amazing, um, <laughs> Like I remember one time I was um, I was in the middle of a hearing and my Apple Watch notified that my heart rate was like above, oh, wow. the, above like the whatever cutoff limit it was and I wasn't moving my body at all it was just from like getting really worked up over whatever <laughs> it was so it was just I don't know there was it was it was very emotionally exhausting from that front. Gotcha. So yeah. I guess it's safe to say that that really didn't jive well with their personality. Not so much. Um, no, it like I, I'm very I'm very fortunate at this point in life that um, you know my family isn't dependent on my income to like meet ends meet, and so um, you know I have I have a lot of flexibility to like I'm I'm doing reptiles full time and have been for about a year and a half, um, and I'm certainly um, you know it's that's been a real interesting thing um to figure out uh how to 
how to make all of that work on a full-time basis. But um, I don't know. It's working <laughs> sort of sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine it gets challenging. Like, do you do like any sort of like forecasting or projecting for like a like what's coming up in the next year, what's coming up in the next two years? Like what's your process? So, yeah, I, I spend, I spend a lot of time. Like I have these systems of like monthly check-ins that I do with myself so that I can like, you know, on a monthly basis, track where I am, what the big things I'm working on are, what projects I'm in the middle of, what the progress I've made on the various projects is that sort of thing. And that's been really helpful with keeping me on track with stuff. But um, like, man, managing finances has been my Achilles heel. I just like, um, I don't know. I just, I, I hate doing the, doing all of that. So that's been, that's been the hard part for me recently, for sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it can be challenging and sometimes not a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. But then sometimes yeah. it can be really fun. I guess it really kind of depends on like your, your personality traits and, and things you like and stuff. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. For, sure, for sure. Cool. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting to kind of like see the development of of your like reptile breeding career, like starting out. You started out with the ball pythons, right? Yep, I did. I started yeah. with, with ball pythons. Um, I added carpets pretty quick in, into it. Um, and that really started with you know, I, I got into breeding rodents for the ball pythons, but the retired breeder rats were obviously, I didn't have anything to do with them. And so then I was like, okay, I need to have a bigger snake so that it can eat that. And we can have it because this is how <laughs> snake math works. Right. And um, so that's how I kind of started with carpets. And then I just totally fell in love with them. Um, they the way they move is so different than ball pythons. Oh yeah. They're just, they're, they're also like, they kind of, you can see the wheels turning in them too. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's one of the things that I just really, really enjoy a lot is like seeing, like I, I really enjoy observing behavior and I really enjoy seeing like the intelligence of the animal come through. And so um, I, I just, I, I, yeah, carpets, like carpets, I think are really amazing and love them very, very much. I got into hognose pretty early on as well. I did a couple seasons breeding hognose. Um, and then when I had the year, like a year and a half ago, where um, I got just completely overwhelmed with the 45 clutches that year, um, that's when I decided I was like, I have to, I can't do all of this. I've got to let something go. And that's when I made the decision to move out of the hognose. Um, and then, yeah, so it's been, I don't know, there's been, there, there have been a lot of different things where I've tried it and then, you know, some things have stuck and some things haven't, but that's probably also the ADHD thing coming about too. <laughs> and testing out some stuff, it helps you know your limits. It helps you yeah. know like what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy. Yep. So, I mean, yep. there's a benefit to it for sure. Are carpet yep. pythons like your favorite? type of snakes and did you say what species of carpet pythons yeah so i had most of the species at one point um i had i started with jungles um i brought i, I had a number of localities um 
And so I had some coastal localities specifically, um, some jungle localities, and then um, inlands and brettles. And I had, um, I had West Papuan carpet pythons. Um, I think diamonds were really the only thing that's common in the U.S. that I didn't have. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Was there any uh, species that you like better than the others? Or Yeah. So inlands are my absolute favorite. You don't see them super often, but they are just puppy dog tame. They are so chill, so relaxed. They're my For the first couple of years I was keeping snakes, my daughter was terrified of the snakes. And it was actually an inland carpet that won her over to thinking snakes weren't so bad. Oh, nice. Um, and we did. I, and I, I had some that I took to my daughter's school last year as well. Um, they were doing some of the kids were doing projects on um, on different animals. And I did a presentation on snakes and um, several of the several of the kids totally fall in love with the inlands as well. They're just they're so calm and so chill. Um, I've never had one try to strike at me. Um, they're just, they're, they're amazing, amazing animals. Nice. Um, I never had any success with breeding them. <laughs> they're, really, they're really cool animals. <laughs> yeah. I got, uh, I got a coastal, I've got one brutal and both of those are like puppy dog tame. Yeah. Time I got them. Yeah. And then I had, I got jungles too. I got three, uh, jungles. Oh, wow. And none of those were puppy dog tame when I got them. Uh -huh. Two of the three are puppy dog tame now. They're wow. still like super alert, way more yeah. alert than my ball pythons. I mean, they're just like, yeah, like, all the, like they're always watching, and you can see like their their wheels spinning and whatnot. Yep. And then I got one male who he's on and off. Like sometimes he'll be like fine for months, and then every now and then he'll just be like, decide do something crazy and, and like remind you, like yeah. Yeah, yeah, I am kind of a little bit crazy, bro. So don't don't get too comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it's been it's it's really funny too because the temperament stuff. Um, you know, there's always individuals that you know go off one way or the other, but in general, for the subspecies, temperamentally, like things tend to hold up pretty well. Like my jungles all tended to be like a little bit spicier than like the brettles, which were all usually pretty calm and. Um, and so that was, that was always really interesting too. Yeah. Yeah. I really like carpets. So those, I would say probably carpets are my favorite kind of snake. Oh yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're just so cool and like they interact with you like so yes. differently. Yes. It's, it's, it's pretty cool for they're sure. They're so fun to handle too. Like they just like, they're on the move and they're, they'll wrap around your arm or, you know, that kind of stuff. They're just, oh, yeah. they're fun. Yeah. At yeah. first, like I was thinking, hey, yeah, I want to breed carpets. And so I was starting to pick them up. And but then like I, I quickly kind of got off that train because I realized I just wanted to focus. Yeah. And so, like, right now we're not we're not breeding anything but ball pythons. But um, yeah. at, some, at some point we may breed something different. But for right now, it's just yeah. like focusing and, and doing and dealing with the breeding the ball pythons and just enjoying keeping like the other species. It's a much, I mean, I, I think that's a really, really smart move. Um, you know, when you focus on one thing and really work on perfecting it, there's just a different level of expertise you're able to develop than when you're kind of scattered all over the place. Like I have been, so that's, you know, <laughs> that's, 
that's one of the things that I've figured out over time as well. Um, and that's actually probably one of the things where I was a little bit hardheaded because I had people all over the place telling me like from the very early days, like pick a thing, focus on it. <laughs> and I didn't. <laughs> I picked the thing. I picked reptiles. I this thing and this thing and this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I think um, I mean I read a little bit, like seen a little bit here and there, but I haven't like done a deep dive into like breeding like carpet pythons of yeah. uh, species. But from what I know, it's more challenging than like breeding ball pythons. It is. So it's um, typically they have seasonal cues that they respond to in terms of their breeding cycles, and so. Um, because they're not quite as equatorial generally as ball pythons are. They're subject to bigger variation of seasons. And so typically there has to be a cooling period with them. Um, with my brettles, I had to take them down to 55 degrees um, for several weeks. Um, with the most other kind of, there's there's winter breeders and spring breeders and brettles are in the the, the spring breeder category, but even with the winter breeders, um, you know, you need to get them into like the high sixties, um, as their warmest temp, no, as, as their coolest temperature. And so, um, there's that you food cycle them as well. So you have periods like over the summer into the fall, you feed them pretty well, then they're off food all winter. And then you start feeding them again when it's getting close to like breeding time and you want your girls to start building follicles. And then they're off food again until, you know, after their clutch hatches. And um, it's, it's very, very cyclical with that. Some people also manage light. Usually for me, temperature and food was enough to trigger the breeding process, though. Okay. And so logistically how that worked, like getting them down to like the 55 when you had like other yeah. species that didn't know how to, then didn't have to do that. Yeah. So um, for those ones, I put them into like big plastic bins and then put those in my laundry room in my house. I opened the, I have a window in my laundry room that I could open up at night and it was a small space. So it wouldn't cool the whole house down to have that window open. And um you know, I had a temperature monitor so I could see how low temperatures were getting. And I was able to, by doing that consistently, get it into um, into the mid 50s. Um, and it ended up working really well for those. Um, but it was a lot of work, like, because you typically, when you're cooling them, it's not a true brumation. So you're typically warming them as well in the, during the day and then cooling them down at night. So there was a lot of back and forth and all of that, too. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I can yeah. imagine that's, like, super challenging. Yeah. Like, just to keep yeah. up with all that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, that's a lot. It, that ends up being a lot of work. And was this when you were working as well, or is this when you were doing it full time? Uh, both. Both. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I definitely, I had a few seasons of, I think I did four seasons total breeding carpets. And so, okay. um, yeah, it's a, that whole, it's a whole different thing to manage. The nice thing with ball pythons is like, you basically, you put two animals in a box. <laughs> eventually, most likely they're going to end up spitting out eggs. <laughs> um, and, and it's, um, you know, and obviously that's an, and, and you know an overstatement but you don't really have to do a whole lot in terms of like controlling different variables for them either 
you know, they decide they're compatible or they're not. The girl decides she's going to build or she doesn't, but there's not a lot you do as a breeder to really, other than just giving them food and that sort of thing to really manipulate that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That's super interesting, but definitely rewarding if you can like get it. Oh yeah. In and you get clutches and all that good stuff. I imagine yeah, that's like absolutely. a hell of a and I really like that's the stuff I really love. Like I like doing the research. I read a lot of scientific papers, like where zoos write up how they manage to get success with breeding different species and that sort of thing. Um and you know, I, I really enjoy the challenge of all of that with a lot of this different species I've worked with. Um, because it's there, they've all been like the way you do with a hog nose is totally different than a ball python, is totally different than the carpets, and so um, I don't know. Learning all of that stuff has been really fun for me. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. definitely keep those wheels spinning. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> cool, of course. So, yeah. hey, before I let you get out of here and enjoy the rest of your night, I do have some random questions for you that I want to yeah, ask. Yeah, sure. And so, um, we'll start with the first one. Uh, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? And this will be interesting because you've yeah. been like, so many places. So, it would be Costa Rica. And the why is because there are so many incredible animals there and it's, um, you know, such a remarkably stable country. Um, the people are amazing and just the, the, the species diversity there is incredible. Um, and so that's the place I would love, 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 love to be. I don't quite have my husband on board yet, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So like if you won $10 million tomorrow, uh, how yeah. would you use it? I would buy a very nice house on some property that had a separate outbuilding for all of my animals. And I would soup it up really well. And I'd hire someone to do all the like drudgery to take care of stuff. <laughs> and I'd get to just like play and hang out with my animals <laughs> and do the fun stuff. So, nice. yeah. Nice. And if you could have dinner with any three people dead or alive, who would oh, wow. it be and why? Ooh. I don't know on that one. That one's not one I've ever really thought about. <laughs> um, hmm. I mean, present company excluded. Right. Well, obviously, <laughs> obviously you would be one of them. Um, I don't even, I don't even, I don't, I'm going to have to pass on that one. I don't know. <laughs> I'll have to think on that one and get back to you. All right. All right. Sorry. I'll let you off the hook. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> what's, uh, what's something not many people know about you? Oh, um, hmm. Hmm. I don't know. We can't let you off the hook with two. I know you can. I already got off the hook. <laughs> I'll have to, I have to actually come up with something here. Um, so I grew up with a mom who was an airline, a stepmom who was an airline pilot. And I spent my childhood like flying everywhere, um, oh, nice. all over the place. I, my dad lived in another state and me and my brother like spent our childhood like on airplanes. So um, nice. maybe that has something to do with why I travel. <laughs> so that's one of the forces that kind of like drove yeah. like your, your deep seated love for travel. Probably. Yeah. So. <laughs> did you ever think, did you ever want to be a pilot yourself? 
yeah, I, I definitely went through a period of time where I was interested in that. Um, but that I kind of, um, but that was when I was pretty young. Um, it, long, it, like, you know, 12, 13 kind of age. But I never after that really was serious about any of that. So nice. Yeah. Nice. That's pretty cool. What what airline? Uh, it was U.S. Air back in the day. So okay. then it turned into American. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It was neat. Yeah. And she was it was like there weren't a lot of female pilots at that point in time. And um, that was I mean, that was one of the cool things was, you know, growing up with that example was pretty neat. Yeah, I didn't fly for the first time until I was like. 21 i was scared as shit the first time because I, I didn't know what to expect and yeah like, i didn't know anybody who had flown because i come oh, from wow. like, real yeah. small town and like we just kind of like did our small town stuff and so like i didn't i didn't know and then like i got on a plane and it wasn't that bad it wasn't yeah. as bad as i thought it was gonna be like, did you the, get a, like do you still have any fear of flying or did you kind of get over it nah nah yeah. like i've flown like millions of times yeah. now. not literally but a whole bunch of times now and it's just yeah. like another another yeah. day in at the office sometimes <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i remember that first time i was scared as shit um oh, i flew up to uh butler pennsylvania oh yeah 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 i, uh, I, grew, up, I grew up near pittsburgh so I'm, I'm familiar with butler okay okay it was it was uh we opened up a texas roadhouse there because i used to be a oh, okay right and so, like i opened up that store and so okay uh, i think i flew out of jacksonville yeah for certain flew out of Jacksonville and went up to Butler. There, there was probably like a layover or two before we before we got there. It was the weirdest thing. Like I had never seen this before, but it was like the thing. Everybody put French fries on their chicken salads. Huh? Like it was. You know what? That's a thing. That's a thing. Really? There, like, yeah. No, the there, there, there were several places um, around Pittsburgh that would do that where they'd have like a salad that had French fries on it. There are also places that do it with sandwiches. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, because it, it was so weird because like that one, like the speck of how we made our chicken salads, and yeah. so like people would always like special order, like put my fries oh, on it. And every funny. restaurant we went to, like, would bring people's chicken salads out with fries. How it was, funny. It was so weird to me. Yeah, yeah, that's. <laughs> and funny. they didn't have sweet tea. Like, yeah, if you wanted sweet tea, you had to like request sweet tea i think or yeah. they gave you like sugar packets which that's yeah. not the same that's not the same no 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 my husband i'm an unsweet tea drinker but my husband is like diehard sweet tea drinker and he gets so mad when they bring a regular tea with like sugar packets he's like oh, this yeah. is not what i wanted <laughs> yes it's not the same man like it <laughs> don't hit the same <laughs> yeah. so those are my two takeaways from butler pennsylvania and i got over my fear of wine there you go there you go <laughs> Nice, nice. Yeah. So uh real quick, uh, are you gonna be having like any like big sales or anything coming up soon where you you're kind of uh yeah. moving on from some of your breeders? Yeah, absolutely. So my goal is over the next the coming weeks, I'm planning, I'm trying to pace myself because it's a little bit overwhelming with all of the animals I have right now, but I'm hoping to add about 20 animals a week for the next, I don't know, however many weeks. Um, so I'll be consistently posting and consistently adding new stuff. If there's something in particular people are looking for that they haven't seen yet, you know, definitely feel free to reach out. I might have, you know, I might have exactly what you're looking for and I just haven't gotten around to posting it yet. So it will be, lots of stuff will be coming. 
Gotcha. 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 So tell everybody where they can find you on social media and all that good stuff. Absolutely. Corey Martin Reptiles on Facebook and Instagram. And, um, you know, Corey Martin Reptiles on Morph Market as well. Cool. I I tend to, I spend, tend to spend my most of my time on Instagram. Nice. Nice. Well, Corey, it's been an amazing show. Really had a lot of fun. A lot of fun talking to you. And everyone who came through tonight, really appreciate all the support. All the folks who come through and check the replay out, all the audio podcast listeners, really appreciate everybody's support each and every week. Um, if you're not following Corey, definitely make sure you go follow her and follow her and be on the lookout for like all the dope stuff she's gonna be posting. Um, lots of stuff coming to Morph Market in the very near future. Uh, but that's gonna wrap up tonight's episode. Can you wait behind stage for a couple minutes? Got it. Yep. All right, cool. Everyone else, thank you for coming out. Be blessed. Peace.